Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. This is Friday, the 5th day of August in the year of our Lord, 2022. And on today's report, I will be talking about the island known as Taiwan, except to China, where it's known as China. Specifically, I will offer a few thoughts on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's recent visit to Taiwan. Why is Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan such a big deal? After all, she's not the first member of Congress to visit that nation. She is, however, a duly elected official of the United States, as well as second behind Vice President Kamala Harris. In line for the presidency of the United States, I suppose that makes her visit very important to the Chinese. It's akin to a state visit to what they consider to be part of their sovereign territory. All that was well known to the Speaker of the House of Representatives before she planned her trip, but she did it anyway. The President said he thought it was not a good idea, so did the Secretary of Defense, but she went anyway. Why? What did the trip accomplish? How did it properly represent her constituents in San Francisco, the U.S. claims, that since the speaker represents the legislative branch and the executive branch handles diplomacy and is empowered to determine U.S. foreign policy, her trip was therefore insignificant. I'm pretty sure the Chinese don't understand or accept such distinctions. They probably don't accept the idea that the trip was not endorsed by the president. I'm certain that to them it's all part of a prearranged plan. China's outrage, either genuine or also concocted, was made very clear. Some in the Chinese military even threatened to shoot down her plane, but fortunately, cooler heads prevailed. It seemed that the Chinese do not want to provoke a full-scale war with the United States, at least not yet. History of this conflict goes back to the end of World War II, when the forces of Mao chased Chiang Kai-shek to what was then called Formosa. Chiang established the Chinese government in exile, while Mao ran China, claimed the island of Taiwan as sovereign Chinese territory. War clouds have appeared over the island ever since. It constantly threatens the world with war today. The U.S. has always walked a line between recognition of Taiwan independence and admitting it's part of China, the diplomacy was worked out between Nixon and Kissinger and the Chinese government when Nixon, quote, opened China with his visit in 1974. Basically, both sides agreed to coexist and ignore the elephant in the room. The U.S. would not recognize Taiwan independence. The Chinese would not attempt to take Taiwan by force. The position of the U.S. regarding an attempted invasion by China would remain deliberately unclear and obscure. So they would never know until it actually happened. Would the U.S. defend Taiwan militarily or not? No one knew for sure. All that changed with a recent trip by President Biden to Japan. When asked by a reporter if the U.S. would militarily defend Taiwan, he said, yes, that's our commitment. Well, that, of course, has never been our commitment, but such gaps or deliberate statements sometimes lead toward world war. The Chinese we're probably amazed at the statement. It's undoubtedly accounted for some of the fiery rhetoric and threats about the trip. The Chinese military strength continues to grow. With that growth comes increasingly aggressive threats and efforts to expand in the Pacific. So far, the disputes have involved fishing rights, coastal islands, disputed territorial waters, but it remains very dangerous. That's why this trip was ill-conceived in my mind once she announced the trip. She had to go, despite the Chinese threats, but more importantly, because of them. We can't have the United States backing down in the face of Chinese threats, and we can't have the Chinese deciding 
where U.S. officials can visit. On the other hand, the trip was incredibly pointless, unnecessary provocation. For no known reason, one might invent reasons to explain it, but there is certainly no obvious diplomatic advantage to the trip, only the provocative one. It's true that many members of Congress and Senate have visited Taiwan before, including some earlier this year when Newt Gingrich was speaker. He visited, I think, back in 1997, but that was all before President Biden removed the veil from U.S. intentions. The result is that everything is different now, especially to the Chinese, Nancy Pelosi said upon her return to the U.S. That the Chinese visceral reaction was because of sexism. As ridiculous as that sounds, she did indeed take advantage one more time of the opportunity to play the victim. The Speaker of the House of Representatives goes to Taiwan over the express wishes of the President and the Secretary of Defense and announces upon landing in what China considers to be China, quote, our visit reiterates what America stands with Taiwan, a robust, vibrant democracy, and our important partner in the Indo-Pacific, end quote, to the Chinese. She just said, my visit means we're taking part of your territory and there's nothing you can do about it. There are, however, several things the Chinese can do about it, discounting the possibility of invasion or direct military conflict. The first thing they did was to summon the U.S. ambassador, which is a serious diplomatic maneuver, and a warning that diplomatic relations have been threatened, reportedly the Chinese premier said, quote, the move is extremely egregious in nature and consequences are extremely serious. China will not sit idly by, end quote. China's military said it was on high alert, would launch a series of targeted military actions in response. China has since begun military exercises, including live fire exercises with the usual intrusions into Taiwanese territorial waters and airspace, the Chinese diplomatic rhetoric emphasize that Taiwan is China's and would eventually return to China. A full-scale invasion across the Taiwan Strait would not be easy for China, even if successful. Whether the U.S. or Japan would intervene remains an open question, but the Japanese have made it clear that an invasion would threaten their national interest. The Taiwan military is a little old right now, a little outdated, but it does have missiles capable of striking into mainland China. The invasion then would be costly. It would cost the lives of thousands of Chinese soldiers and civilians, and immediate success would not be assured. The other choice the Chinese have is a naval and air blockade of Taiwan to subdue the enemy without fighting, as per Sun Tzu. A blockade would cut off Taiwan from Western armed shipments to resupply and modernize their armed forces. The economy of Taiwan would quickly be perhaps fatally damaged. The military's ability to resist would be severely damaged. The Chinese communists would then wait and hope that the morale of the people would succumb and some type of surrender like Hong Kong would be forthcoming. Speaking of Hong Kong, the U.S. did not defend Hong Kong or come to its aid when China absorbed it. The people of that city were promised one country, two systems, but it quickly became one country, one system, or else you can deal with the People's Liberation Army. China wants to be the leader of the new world order that stands in opposition to the world order led by the United States since World War II. The U.S. set out to sanction and de-dollarize certain countries, so they naturally begun to sign up allies, define a new system not controlled by the dollar. China still needs American markets, although creating additional chaos for the American economy and especially the supply chain. 
Now dependent on China is another option for Chinese protest of the visit. The fall of Taiwan would be rather disastrous for Western economies because Taiwan controls much of the chip manufacturing upon which Western technology depends. Why the U.S. made such a sovereignty-destroying move as to offshore its manufacturing to a hostile communist country, then allow its own chips to be made in Taiwan, which is in constant conflict with that country, is open to discussion, but it seems self-destructive to me. If a Chinese naval blockade cut off the supply of chips to the U.S. and its Western allies, then they would be beholden to the Chinese as Europe is to Russia because of Russian gas. Never mind all the America first rhetoric. Doesn't anyone in authority elected or are not even consider what's in the best interests of America and the American people anymore? The U.S. Senate is right now considering Senate Bill 4428 defined as the effort to support the security of Taiwan and its right of self-determination and for other purposes. The heart of the bill is to transfer $6.5 billion in foreign military financing for Taiwan over the next four years. It would also designate Taiwan a major non-NATO ally, which means we give them weapons, but we have no mutual defense commitment. So I suppose that is what standing with Taiwan really means. Once again, we fight to the last drop of Taiwanese blood. This is, a com this is complete madness, folks. Once again, it indicates this world is run by lunatics. What is the strategic interest of the United States in this dispute that would make it go to war, a risk war, with China? It's all madness. But it all bodes ill for Taiwan, the Chinese premier. After all, his bluster and rhetoric has been humiliated. He can't let that go without a response, so we wait for that. Taiwan is the loser. It's plausible to think that China will use the Biden presidency to move against Taiwan. Finally, folks, war with China is just one mistake, one collision at sea, one nervous ship captain away. My fear is that some F-14 pilot or some Chinese pilot will fire a missile at the wrong target or some collision at sea will set it off, the missiles will fly. Then all the bluster and all the harsh words can't recall them. The best explanation for this trip, however, might just be to take the focus of the American people away from what Lenin referred to as grinding them between the millstones of taxes and inflation and put that on a perceived foreign enemy. There have always been plenty of people willing to trade the lives of young Americans for election success. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.